Hello everyone, it's so good to come together again for our home at home services. I pray today that you're going to have a great time of fellowship as we continue to share on our values. And this week our value is passion is our pursuit. Passion is our pursuit. And it reads, we believe it's the only reasonable response to what Jesus has done. Everything we do, we do it with passion. From our worship to our daily lives, we carry the same energy. I'll read it again. We believe it's the only reasonable response to what Jesus has done. Everything we do, we do it with passion. From our worship to our daily lives, we carry the same energy. We're going to be unpacking this in the or through the eyes of two characters. And we're going to use a subheading, the two faces of passion. Before we delve into that, let's look at what passion really means. The word itself comes from the Latin root word, patio, which means to suffer. Many of the modern applications of passion no longer convey the idea of suffering at all. I'd like to consider, or for us to consider, that passion is engaging in an intense desire to the point where it hurts. When you are truly passionate, you are pushed along by your desire to the point where you are willing to endure pain. Think about that. Passion, pushed along to the point where you're willing to endure pain. Have you ever heard some people who are lovesick or they said the word phrase, love hurts? Yeah. Suffering and loss, for example, uh, for the object or, or suffering and loss for the object for which uh, you're uh, focused on or your attention is uh, directed to. So passion, as we're saying here, in the Greek, it actually means, again, to suffer. And the, the, the word passio or passosis, a feeling of intense enthusiasm towards or compelling desire for someone or something. It goes on to uh, also mean passion can range from eager interest or admiration in an idea, proposal or cause. It can be enthusiastic enjoyment of an interest or activity. It can be a strong attraction, excitement or emotion towards a person. Passion is a force which motivates your actions. It can be strong feelings of love and hate. So we're seeing these different variations on passion, but it all uh, speaks to an intensity, something that drives you, something that motivates you, and that it can be used for good or evil. We are believing that we are talking about using our passion for good. We encounter our first character today, Stephen, in Acts 7. And Stephen actually is a Greek uh, individual. Um, a chapter, in fact, 6 of Acts, of the, of the apostle tells us that he was a Hellenist, a foreign-born Jew who spoke Greek. He lived in Jerusalem and became a Christian. So, in other words, he had given his life to Christ based on what Jesus Christ had done on the cross. And so he'd become a Christian. He was chosen and appointed and ordained by the apostles as one of seven deacons. 
Stephen became the best known of the seven as a man with special gifts. As an evangelist, he gave his religious discussions amongst synagogues of the diaspora Jews in the capital. So in other words, as an evangelist, he would target or go into the different uh, Jews that had traveled or gathered in that particular area, and he would be telling them about Jesus Christ and him crucified and what he had done in order to save us as the Messiah. Now, as he's telling these group of people, now you've got to bear in mind that they are very against what he's saying. In other words, he's telling the truth that the Jews of this relig or religious people of the day do not want to hear. And so as he's doing this, we're seeing all kinds of different emotions begin now to manifest. And while he's speaking, we encounter in the crowd the next face of our passion. And it's Saul. Saul, uh, we're told here, gives his own qualifications actually later on uh, in uh, the, the, the Bible. In fact, he tells us that he is someone who values uh, himself as a Jew of the Jew. In fact, verse 5 tells us here um, that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. He was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was regarded um, fully uh, to embrace the law as a Pharisee. And he has a zeal for persecuting the church. The church that Stephen was representing. And he was against this righteousness that they were embracing, but believed in the righteousness based on the law and to the fault. In other words, he was adamant about fulfilling the law completely. So here we have Stephen, passionate about preaching about the work of Christ, and we then have Paul, or Saul, in fact, who before he became Paul, who is now uh, adamantly against what Stephen is doing as a Jew of the Jew. And so we encounter these two individuals, and what happens was is that uh, Stephen is accused by the Jews now of uh, speaking blasphemy. He's saying all kinds of things against Moses and against the law of Moses and against the temple. And he was basically speaking to these Jews, telling them that they had no longer uh, upheld uh, what the, the law of Moses. In fact, he was telling them that they were now uh, in contravention of the, the, the laws and the different things, and that through Christ, um, he has now redeemed or is able to redeem them from the power of the law. And so he, he's going through all of this history and basically uh, talking about things that were so important to them that they themselves as a crowd become incensed. And they are so angry. In fact, the mob in Acts 7 verse 54, it says they become so passionate as they heard these things. It's saying and this accusation um, and, and the study implication says they were cut to their heart and began grinding their teeth against what Stephen was doing. So we see this angry mob against him. And Paul was part of the leadership of this mob. 
they would gather the Christians and the Jews and actually they would whip them. They would do all kinds of things against them, but they were not born again as Stephen was preaching. And so we've got two uh, opposite sides here. Paul doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but he's animate about the law. And we've got Stephen who is now converted and is preaching and they're going up against each other. And so we continue to see that Stephen now, while they were stoning him, because remember now that they've accused him, they were now stoning him. He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus, the son of God, standing up, welcoming him home. And he, the glory of God is shining upon him and he's asking for forgiveness for the people that are stoning him. Why? Because he's so passionate about this man, Jesus, that he was willing to die for this gospel. And here, Saul, who is so against it, is happy to see him stoned to death. But what's interesting is that as Saul continues, we leave Stephen, who is now dead, ascended to heaven, of course, in the presence of God. But we've got now Saul, who God encounters. Now remember, Saul is passionate, believing what he is doing is right. So you can be so wrong and passionate in your wrong, passionate in your sin. But here we have Saul and God encounters him on one of his missions to again attack and, 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 and destroy the church. And God himself encounters Saul on the road, blinds him with his unbelievable light and all his uh, support, his, his soldiers that are with him, they are all knocked off their horses. And he hears the voice of God saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, why are you using all of this passion and you're going against me? You're not serving me as God, despite you believe that. And he understood and actually responded and saying, well, what would you have me to do? And he was blinded by this light and, and, and God speaks to him and says, go and see a man called Ananias and he will speak to you. And Ananias, when he met him, leads Saul, who then becomes Paul. Think about it now. He was against the Jews, against, in fact, against the Christians of the Jews. And so it was necessary to change his name. And it's symbolic because that name change represents the fact that he was no longer Saul, the persecutor of the Christians. He was now Paul on the side of Stephen, passionate about the work of Christ. And we take our story as we continue here to let you know that you can be passionate in your sin on your way to hell. In other words, separate from God. But we see what happens to Saul who becomes Paul. He now becomes passionate about his relationship with God. And we join him understanding that for him, you know, he was no longer now interested in just being about himself. He was completely now passionate about serving God. 
And the Bible tells us here that when he gives his life to Christ now, he counted everything about his own identity, what he thought meant something. He said, I count it now as nothing. Me being Jew of the Jews and of the Pharisees and born of a certain tribe and coming through a certain lineage and going to a certain uh, university, as it were, and studying means nothing compared to the work that Christ has accomplished. And he says, I count it all to be nothing. Hallelujah. In fact, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. There are things we have to just let go of if they are getting in the way of Christ. In other words, if Jesus is not number one in your life, then it means you have an idol. We have to put him first. This is what Paul is saying. That he has to be number one. This is where the passion comes in. That you are fully passionate about this man, Christ Jesus. Why? Because of the work he has done. Therefore, he becomes that number one figure in your life. Passionate about him. And in so doing, that passion grows in you as you continue to then become more and more like him. Hallelujah. Paul says in 12, not that I've already obtained all of this. He says, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of you for a very specific purpose. That you too now can passionately reach out to others through the power that he has invested in you. This is what Paul is saying. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a man who went from one passion to another face of passion. He was up against God and now is completely switched the other way. Hallelujah. You see, Sometimes we can live our lives and maybe you gave your life to Christ and you've lost that passion. In fact, in uh, Revelation, we're told that, that, that God goes to the church of Ephesus and I believe it's Revelation 2 and he says, you know, you've lost your first love. Where's that passion you started off loving me with? Have you ever noticed people often when they're pursuing that relationship for the first time, there's so much passion and interest and then unless they continue to work on that love, they lose the passion. Maybe that's your relationship with Christ right now, but Paul is saying you've got to press towards that mark. Maybe you're asking the question right now, how do I cultivate this passion? I'm so glad you asked. Hallelujah. You see, Romans 12 and verse 1 says that I am to present my body as a living sacrifice. That's how you do it. In other words, you lay down everything about yourself. 
and you present yourself to Christ to say, Lord, I want you to crucify everything in me that comes up against you. And that begins to build a passion in you. That you become a living sacrifice like Jesus was. Hallelujah. And you see, he also goes on to tell us, Paul, in Galatians 2 and 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. This is what he's saying. It's no longer me that's living, but Christ that's living in me. In other words, if you want to be passionate about this gospel, one, you've got to crucify the works of your flesh, put them under subjection and allow the Christ to work on them for you. Give them to him so that you can exchange all of your mess for his passion. And Paul says it's no longer I that lives because he's given it all to Christ. It's now Christ. So all of his identity, what he thought about himself, he's given it to Christ. It's no longer me that's living, but Christ who is living in me. And he gave himself for me. Another way to grow in passion is to set your affection on things above. In other words, wherever your heart is, is where your treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, is where your heart is. If you value Christ and the things in the work of Christ, then you will set your affection on those things which are above. Hallelujah. You set your mind on those things and not on the things of the earth, which is all about finances and making money and, and, and having this wonderful time through all kinds of indulgences. Whereas Christ has called us to represent him in his kingdom. Proverbs 3 and verse 6, another way that you can grow in passion, that learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and stop leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Imagine that every day you're saying you're trying to follow God's plan, God's passion, God's way of doing life. That leads to the passion you, we should have in him, that you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Hallelujah. Psalm 63, 1 to 3 and verse 5, it says, Oh God, this is David talking about his passionate. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Seek him earnestly. The Bible tells us that when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. And David says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He says, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. He searched for God and found the place where God was dwelling. Do you have that thirst? You see, that's what passion does. It gives you a hunger, a strong desire for that thing that is the object of your interest. Philippians 3 verse 7 to 9, Paul says, I count all things but loss. And we've already explained that he gave up everything about himself for this man, Christ Jesus. And Matthew 22 verse 37 and 40 says, love the Lord God with all your heart. He, says, he said to him, he shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
Now let's look at that. Heart, soul, mind. Is there anything left? If you can love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that's all of you in. That's passion towards God. He says this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. When we are all in, this is how we are able to have passion as a pursuit. Why? Because our pursuit is Christ. Hallelujah. We see Christ himself and we, we hear the phrase, the passion of the Christ, meaning Jesus Christ gave up his glory, took off everything that mattered and defined him and came to seek and to save us. He sacrificed himself with passion for you and me. He loves you more than you know. The Bible lets us know in, in, in uh, Luke 15 that there were a hundred sheep and one went missing. And what does a passionate saviour do? do? He goes after the one. I'm letting you know that God is passionate about every single one of us. He's passionate about you. When others make you feel like you're nothing, when others make you feel crushed and downtrodden, God is passionate about you. And when you share in his passion, you learn to love those who hate you. You learn to love and do good to those who despitefully use you. And you do it with a passion because you're doing unto him. You are pursuing this journey with passion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed with passion. He wept when he saw the multitude without a shepherd. He confronts the Pharisees. He in fact calls them generation of vipers. He in fact, he fashions a whip when there were money changes in the house. And I believe there were over 200 men in the house. But he fashions a whip. And he says, this is my father's house. And he whips them out of the house. Why? Because it matters to him that we are about his kingdom business. Are you passionate about this man, Jesus, today? I repeat, if he is not number one in your life, then you are lacking in passion. But when you seek him first, according to Matthew 6, and his righteousness, all other things will be added to you. Passion is our pursuit. We worship the Lord with our mind, body and soul, with all our strength. Because passion is our pursuit. And we live every day pursuing the lover of our soul. Maybe you're listening to this and, and you feel that your passion is like, like Saul's was. That it's about the sinful things of life. The things that actually always feel flat when you finish with them. But when you pursue Christ, there's a joy, there's a peace that sustains you. You simply have to invite him in your life. 
and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And if you prayed that prayer, the God we serve, who has always been passionate about you, is now living in you. You too can become passionate about him. And together, you can reach others in the name of Jesus. For those of us who know him, may we find again the passion that we've lost. May we rekindle the joy, that desire to seek after him and to hunger and thirst after him. Solomon wrote the song, he says, At night I sought him whom my soul loves. We need to live this life with passion. Think about things that you're genuinely passionate about. Jonathan McReynolds writes this song, he says, I make time for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities. But then he says, Jesus, you're my number one. I pray today that we will make Jesus our number one. And we will live our life and make passion our pursuit. Hallelujah. I repeat, we believe it's the only reasonable response to what Jesus has done. Everything we do, we do it with passion. From our worship to our daily lives, we carry the same energy. May you go to work, school, home, wherever you are, and live your life with passion. God bless you.